This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk. And bigger value is what it's all about on one of the biggest weeks racing of the entire year. In fact, the last big summer flat meeting of 2021. Doesn't mean there isn't more flat racing to come, but there's... It's the last big summer one. There's a shock for you. It's the York Ebor Festival. And we're going to preview the first two days in the company of Rory Delarkey, the red hot Rory Delarkey, I should say. Rory, welcome back to the show. Hello. I'm Emmett Kennedy. I'll be with you on TalkSport for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday alongside Simon Holt. And a um, few people called Aidan O'Brien, John Gosden, Oshin Murphy. And a number of others as well. So join us in TalkSport 2 if you can't get to watch the races. Uh, we got you covered. Uh, we're going to start with the opening race, bizarrely, on the <laughs> on the Wednesday. Uh, that is the Skybet and Symphony. Group Handicap. Uh, the 150, as it's otherwise known. Five and a half furlongs. Twilight Calls currently heads the betting alongside Hurricane Ivor, who's not far behind him for the very much informed William Haggis. Uh, when the deal is done... Roger Teal and William Buick at eights and Pendleton, not named after Victoria, but named after a place. Isn't that right, Rory? Yes, as all the owner sources are. Exactly. Uh, what's your thoughts on the 150? Uh, I'm just going to have a check on the uh, on the betting here because um, I can give it to you if you want. So uh, an interesting uh, last time. Bear with me now while no I pan down. Um, no gamble as yet on Ostilio is 51 across the board. Now you remember that I said that he was the kind of horse who would pop up in a sprint handicap and you couldn't, you couldn't back him each way. Um, bit of a, just another bottle type. Um, mm. <clears throat> he was then heavily backed into 14 to one at one stage for the, um, for the Stewart's Cup before drifting again to fifties. And he's drawn in the wrong, it was, it was drawn and stole one and you didn't want to be anywhere near the far side of the track. Um, so he had, he had no chance there. And also, although he's won on, on bad ground, um, I don't think he really wants it. So so both the ground and the, and the draw were massively against him in the Stewart's Cup. He didn't show a huge amount, but then again, he finished in front of just another bottle who went on to win the um, uh, the Grits and Wilfred. So that in itself is, is no reason to be against him. And the interesting thing is the market pretty much ignores the fact that he was punted. Um, last week, and it's possible it is, you know, the issue was that he was being punted in a weak market because it's a lot easier to, to move the markets straight after declaration time um, 
compared to on the day. And of course, he did drift back out of 50 yeah. at the off. But I guess still you're running well here. He's better. He's drawn in stall nine here, which I think is a good draw. Um, and I can see him. Um, I can see him running well. He's listen. He's a he's a little bit of a um, um, a risky bet given that he hasn't um, rediscovered the best of his form, um, which he showed for Simon Crisford. But he's um, he's a kind of what he will click at, at, in time uh, for Paul Mitchell. Paul Mitchell is a very good trainer of sprinters. Essentially, what he does, he picks up horses from other yards who who weren't died in the wool sprinters in the first place, and he kind of converts them into sprinters. Um, and he's got a very good record of doing that. It takes it's a it's an adjustment for the horses involved, and it takes time. And uh, Ostilio hasn't hasn't got there yet. But be, there's two runs before Goodwood were were better than they look on paper. Um, and while he's not the he's not the likeliest winner of this race, there are a couple of you know obvious improvers ahead of the market in Twilight Calls and Hurricane Ivor. Hurricane Ivor well beaten in the Stewards Cup as well. But again, I would forgive him that, um, given the conditions. Um, his runs before that suggested he's. He's a horse to take very seriously. He looks well drawn on stall five. And Twilight Calls, another horse who was beaten at Goodwood um, on softish grind, having having impressed uh, previous to that. He looks like he's he's got plenty of improvement in him as well. So, but they're first and second favourites. I'm not telling you anything you don't know about the pair of them. Um, I'd, I'd certainly have them over, over when the deal is done. When the deal is done, actually beats um, Twilight Calls last time out. But he's drawn on stall 16 here and I, I, I wouldn't want to be drawn any higher than where Twilight Calls is in still 11. How important is that, is that draw, so, just to reiterate? Well, historically, you're, you're, you tend to come out down the centre of the track, and, and the, the wings themselves tend not to be where you want to be. Um, the one thing about being drawn wide either side is, you know, if you're coming from behind, you get a clear run there. Um, but uh, you, you, as I said, races tend to take place more up the middle here um, than at other uh, sprint courses. And if there's been a bias towards either side in recent times, particularly on, on good or quicker ground, it's been towards the far side. Um, so so if one side is favoured, it, it tends to be low. Um, and you also you also tend to look at where the pace is coming from in the race and looking at the pace map for this. Um, you've, got a, you've got a bit of speed with Major Jumbo and El, El Astronauti um, among the high numbers, but... Um, El Astronaut has been, been very in and out this season. Uh, it was disappointing last time out. Um, he doesn't want a yard further than five furlongs. And although he blazed a trail for a while, um, I'm not sure he'll carry them through until the end here. And um, uh, Major Jumbo might, um, uh, he, you know, he's got he's got course form. He's largely reliable. He's not quite the force of old. He's another one who was well beaten in the Stewards' Cup. Um, but is you know that can be forgiven because he did a lot of work on bad ground um, early on there. He should bounce back, and he helps the, the high numbers, but my gut feeling is that this will be low to mid. Um, that's where I'd be looking. So the horse, our old friend Ornate, of course, is drawn a stall too as well, and he will mm. blaze um, on the far side of the track, which will help um, uh, help horses drawn out there. As I said, I think Ostilio is worth having a couple of bob on at 50s. He's, he's never going to be a confident um, shout until he finds his level, but he's lower again in the way. I think he's four pounds lower than he was at Goodwood. So he's, he's getting to a, um, a workable mark uh, for new connections. And he's got no speed around him. The horses who are drawn on either side of them are, are Mondemesh, who's drawn on his inside, is an extreme hold-up horse. Um, he'll be coming through um, very late and fast, Mondemesh. Uh, he's a quirky sort. He'll probably miss the break. If they go really hard here, he'll be finishing best of all. And is worth considering as well. A typical York sprint, you know, 
um, you could run it 30 or 40 times and get different results um, regularly, depending on exactly how the pace holds up and how the track rides. Uh, and you can give plenty of horses chances, but I'm looking for a little bit of value. As I said, the, the front two in the market um, have got plenty going for them, but are well found. Um, I like um, I like Australia with a price. I wouldn't be risking too much money on him. As I said, at 50s, um, I think the same argument applies to him as it did at Goodwood. You know, don't be following the money and backing him at a quarter of those odds. Um, but at 50s or bigger, he's worth a, a small win bet. Um, one, again, a biggish price who should run fairly well um, is Snazzy Jazzy, who's a 33 to 1 poke. Interesting that Oshin Murphy's been booked for him. Yeah. Um, by, you know, his trainer wouldn't really be a household name. Um, Snazzy Jazzy was with Clive Cox last year and was capable of group form. Um, he wasn't, he was running in, in group two and group three races um, for Clive Cox last year. Um, he struggled a bit this year uh, for his new yard, but he's, he's begun to slip in the weights. He's now um, six pounds lower than he was in his return. And he's not been disgraced in his last two starts. He's finished fourth here at York in a listed race and then sixth, uh, beaten less than three lengths um, from an, a mediocre draw at Ascot um, in the Shergar Cup. Um, He's, he needs to take another step forward back towards his old form to win this. But he's another one who's a big price. He's 33 to 1. And he's, he's drawn on the right place and stole four as well. So he'd be on my short list. Um, but if you're going to ask me to narrow it down, uh, I'll throw in my old friend, uh, Ostilio, as, as uh, one to give you a little bit of fun at a big price. Nice. And uh, you can't complain about a 50 to 1 show. But just to confirm, you're saying to back Ostilio to win only. Yeah, again, it's not he ends up being a small stakes bet. Um, because he doesn't have, you know, there are there are plenty of reasons not to back him. But I think his his Stewart's Cup run is a write off, uh, and the argument for backing him at a big price there uh, remains in this race. Absolutely. All right. Well, fifties, hold Matt tough, and don't forget that if you place your bet with Top Plus, and he happens to win, not only have you backed a fifty to one winner unless you've completely collapsed the market on us, uh, then you've also managed to get yourself a 10% bonus, courtesy of Toe Plus. Uh, we'll move on. Our next race is the 225, the ACOM stakes. Um, I kind of expected a, a bigger field for this, but anyway, we have what we have, and it, it is a very interesting field. Uh, Dubai legend for Hugo Palmer, uh, Son of Dubawi, out of a Ravens Pass mare, lovely pass. Noble Truth, who we talked about on the show, and I really liked... Um, his uh, debut effort, but particularly, look, he he could only do what he could do, but I thought it was a really impressive performance at Newmarket on his second start. Uh, but his experience has all come at Newmarket, and now he goes to York. Uh, and then we got Eras for Richard Hannon. So two to one, Dubai legend. Uh, not a huge amount in the market between Noble Truth and Eras. Uh, they're nine to four and uh, five to two. And then you've got uh, Imperial Fighter at sixes and Royal Patronage at twelves, Rory. Yeah, this is a this is a, a race with a bit of a wealth warning. Um, historically speaking, um, we tend to have horses with big reputations lining up in the Acom. Um, just looking back at um, oh, best horse in the world um, was beaten on this a few years ago. Zaki, That's right? Um, DXB um, was actually favourite for the race that year. Went off at six to five and finished sixth. Um, and we have uh, 
uh, you know, lots of this. It's nine years now since uh, an outright favourite won this, and given this is a group race with a historically a small field, you'd expect to get um, more winning favourites than that. It's a it's a dubious measure of the winning favourites, um, but it's worth it's worth bearing in mind in the in the broader scheme of things. Um, uh, Stiffax was the winner in 2016 at 16 to one when uh, Hugo Palmer had the favourite best of days odds on, um, although he ran pretty well. He finished, he was he was a second that day. Um, you, you do you have had a few horses with big reputations um, beaten in this, um, and horses who didn't have huge reputations have gone on to, to, to good things. Uh, Phoenix of Spain won this race at a, at a fair price um, in 2018. Um, one or two disappointments. That day, Broom was sixth, for example. Um, so you've got it's it's not always the obvious spot for horses. It's a it's a really good race, the Yakum. Um, but for whatever reason, it doesn't necessarily. Um, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. You're shocked about Broom. No, 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 no. I'm not surprised at all about Broom. I'm shocked about DXB. What about the price he started? Yeah, six to five. Well, it's very, it's very easy to do that now. But he'd been massively. DXB started his career, if I remember correctly, winning winning a maiden at Goodwood by half the track in a really fast time. And the whole point about him was, look at this horse. There's no way this is the kind of horse you should be winning on debut. Oh, you're um, right. He did. Yeah. And so he, he had a massive reputation. And um, we didn't know what we knew about DXB at the time, obviously. And that's the thing. We're, we're punting on horses who've either had one or two runs here. And we, by definition, we kid ourselves that we know all about them on the basis of one or two runs. And we clearly don't. We don't no. know the quirks of these horses. We don't know what hidden strengths there are. We don't know what hidden weaknesses there are. So it's always a dangerous race to be um, to be getting heavily involved in. I thought for the for the record, I thought Dubawi Legend was really impressive at Doncaster first time, mainly because that was a race that wasn't um, run to show him off to best effect. Um, they went a fairly ordinary gallop in that seven furlong novice. I'm not suggesting it was a great race, but it wasn't... Um, you see horses win by wide margins in races where they go really hard early on and a lot of the horses begin to struggle um, and they're they're um, they're fading at the finish and the good horse ends up going well clear like DXB at Goodwood um, on his debut. Whereas they didn't do that at, at uh, Doncaster. They were fundamentally all sprinting in the last two furlongs and he just massively out-sprinted them to win by five lengths. Um, he's got no problem with the trip um, on pedigree. Obviously, he's, he's won over the trip already, but uh, when you win a slowly run race over the trip, you wonder whether stamina was properly tested. But I thought he was really impressive there. Um, um, and I thought that Eras, although he was beaten by Noble Truth on debut, I thought he really caught the eye that day because he was drawn badly. He was drawn right out on the wing, um, which isn't always a terrible thing, but it usually is with a newcomer. And uh, he had nothing to race with until very late in the day. And then... Um, he and Noble Truth sort of came together later on. Later on. Um, and Noble Truth went on to beat him by two lengths. I thought um, Eras was, was uh, inclined, was uh, entitled to build uh, markedly in that, and he did, winning easily at Ascot last time out. So I fancied him to turn the tables. Um, if, I, if there was one bet I really fancy in this race, it would be Eras in a match against Noble Truth. Ooh, that's um, a I think Imperial Fighter was a winner on, on heavy ground at Goodwood. Again, he's got a similar kind of pro. Might even be in the same race that um, uh, the DXB won. 
Uh, and it's easy to say, well, that was heavy ground and he's got, you know, on the ratings, he's got a stone to find. But in fairness, he was running at the same level. He was running, according to timeform figures, for example, um, he ran a better race on debut than Noble Truth did. And he was a couple of pounds behind uh, Eras and just a pound behind him in terms of, of speed figures. So he's right up with him in terms of um, the, the expected improvement from that run. And it's easy to say, well, that came on heavy. Um, but we don't know whether he's a heavy ground horse or whether um, he's much better than the form because he's not a heavy ground horse. He wasn't. He didn't run there because Connections wanted him to run on that ground. Um, when he was declared for that race, it would have been good drying ground of Goodwood and then ended up turning um, soft overnight. And then the jockeys said they, they thought it was heavy on the day and the going was changed um, subsequently. So it was not like he was aimed at that race because of the ground. So he could easily be a lot better than the bare form. Uh, and as a result, it's not a race where it's, you can really um, dig out a strong angle. I thought Zimbabwe legend just about deserved to be favourite, and he is just about favourite. Um, but given how little we know about them and given what we've seen with past results, I think it's a race that I wouldn't want to be, um, I wouldn't want to be having a, uh, a massive bet on. As I said, the one angle that I could arguably find, I think Eraz is a better horse than the Noble Truth. But again, that's fairly notional. That's based on um, on the expected improvement from his debut um, and the fact that he was, you know, he didn't have experience meeting Noble Truth when that horse was having his second start and being badly drawn. I think on balance he should beat Noble Truth, but that's that's again notional. That's based on on where they were um, three or four weeks ago. So um, and they're roughly the same price. So you should you should be getting even money in a match bet, um, uh but. The race to enjoy, and I think it's a, it's a it's a hard race to um to be adamant that you can find um a, a positive punting angle. Oh, it's a very very difficult race to decipher, and there's every reason to think that Eras anyway, will have. There's only one horse we have we haven't mentioned, and strictly speaking, you could argue that that's the horse you should back, given the history of the Acom. It always ends up people talk about oh, it's A versus B versus C. Royal patronage. No, but it's the one that no one's betting is is the one that ends up winning. <laughs> So we should just get stuck into Royal Patronage, though. Um, yeah. It was a five-length winner last time out. All right. He's been backed, but he's been backed because the field has been decimated. So, yeah. When we're doing the review show and we're talking about how Royal Patronage won, uh, we'll give that one to Rory and say, oh, what a what a piece of insight from Rory. You know, favourite set a terrible record in the race. How could which you I, possibly be back? Which, which four horses you think might win and then back with everything? <laughs> How could you possibly have backed yeah. that Hugo Palmer horse? He had no chance. Uh, right. The, uh, a, a really fascinating race. And this is a fascinating race for many reasons. One, I just spoke with Aidan O'Brien, but it was for TalkSport. So you'll have to listen to TalkSport tomorrow. And, uh, oh, really? Yes. Oh, really? Like yes. Uh, I'd love to nick it and just take it for myself. I actually uh, did record it here. It's putting us all the way anyway, so it's fine. Say again? He'll be putting us all away anyway. So he'll, be <laughs> he'll be telling us whatever Mickey Tabor wants him to tell us. Comes <laughs> the rules. Uh, the views of Roy DeLarge are not necessarily those of TalkSport or the Final Forum podcast. But no, he has some very good insight, and uh, particularly about two handicappers. They can only be it later in the week, and I will give you those horses. I will give you those horses, but only after it's aired on TalkSport. How about that? That's fair. That's more than fair. Uh, the Skybet Great Voltager Stakes sees Kamari, having beat Wordsworth last time, it be your favourite, but a little bit uneasy. He's dropped to 7-4 to and now he's gone back out to 5-2. to two. High definition. 
who I will say that Aiden did say that his season has been a complete mess. It's not giving much away, but um, he also explained that the Irish Derby at the Curra he got struck into, he lost a shoe, and just it was game over basically at an early stage. And he loves Sir Lucan, who is a horse he put up on this show at the very start of the season. He wears cheek pieces for the first time. He's working very well, and uh, St. Ledger's the bland. So Frankie's on board, and you would have thought that when Frankie was confirmed, Rory, that that would have seen him drift in betting. The opposite is true. In fact, he has collapsed in betting um, and has gone from being 5-1, to 9-2, into 7-2, but he was at least sixes before. Um, so... Uh, Kamari five to two, high definition seven to two, Sir Lucan seven to two with first time cheek pieces. Um, we should mention Third Realm as well, of course, because he beat Adar and was then fifth in the Derby, but disappointed last time out. Uh, Eleven to two, and uh, Ybir is in there as well. Right, your thoughts on the Voltage? Um, I think it's a bit harsh to say Third Realm disappointed last time. I think, um, especially if you're going to if you're going to put Sir Lucan up as a as a bet in the race, he was only a. Uh, so length and a quarter behind. Shut up, Delargy, and get on with it. <laughs> so there's not enough love to chew. Stop, stop messing with my logic and get on. Yeah. Um, my gut feeling here, looking at the prices, is they, they've tightened up the obvious ones. I thought Sir Lucan, you know, looking at this race at, at, at declarations, I thought Sir Lucan was the obvious horse in the race. Yeah, me too. I just said he was a, he was a firm. He's nine to two um, in a place or two. It's not miles shorter than that, but he's tightened up to seven to two. And I think um, given given that he was coming back off a break when he ran at Google the last time out, um, I thought he was entitled to improve for it. He doesn't have much to find. The, the first thing I wanted to say was that Kamari was the wrong price um, when the market opened for this. There was no, no way he was a seven to four poke for, for this contest. Um, he's won a group two. He's got a group two penalty. Um, the group two he won, the Queen's Vaz, is often a good race. It wasn't this year. It was a sh- shocking contest. I think he achieved more winning his maiden um, than, than he did at, at Ascot, given how that race has panned out. Um, uh, for a group two race at Royal Ascot with horses who should be progressing, remember this is it's it's for stayers, so it's often it's a first chance for these horses to run over a mile and three quarters. Um, you would expect it to throw up a load of subsequent winners, not a one, not a one in the entire field. Um, n- none of those, none of them won next time out. Um, obviously, Kamari has run since, and he won that with a bit in hand. I don't, I don't want to slag him off. I think he did it nicely, but you, the subsequent um, efforts of those behind suggest that was a very weak group too. Um, and it looked, it looked weak enough on paper beforehand. Um, he went off um, a reasonably short price on the back of a. A maiden winning Yarmouth of all places, um, and I think he's bad value here. He could easily improve again. You know, he's a horse on the up, um, and if he does progress again, then he's got chances of winning. But he shouldn't have been as short as he was, based on um, on collateral form. Uh, so he's drifted to a more realistic price. But I'm still not mad to back him at three to one. Um, and again, it's hard to back high definition based on what he's done this season. Mm. And to be honest, it's a bit hard to back him based on what he did last season as well. I agree. I agree. I think that the more you look back, and I actually watched it back again today, I and I know that Sarah Lynham and I disagree on this one. And Sarah will forget more about racing than I'll ever know. But I thought he looked like a boat in winning yeah. the... Th- th- thank you! Thank you! 
He looked, he looked, I mean, he looked, a, he looked a really nice boat, but he looked oh, a boat yeah. again. High class, possibly a boat that Elon Musk invented, but still a boat. Um, yeah, both of those wins. It's just your, your, your reaction. It, often see horses win a small race as two-year-olds, and your reaction is, wow. You watch both of his races, and your reaction, I think, is kind of few. Yeah. Even though you know he won the race. Watching it back, it just still seems like such hard work. And he's got a, he's got a smashing attitude. And he gets there. He looks really on. He traded a hundred and in, in the run both times, and he's found loads for pressure. But he hasn't quickened. He has not quickened at all. He's just gradually gone through the 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 gears, um, and he does eventually hit top gear. But it takes a long time for him to do it. Um, and while that's really like me, you think, well, you know, this clearly isn't a two-year-old. He's going to be an awful lot better next year. The Him being talked up as being a good thing for the Derby was an absolute, was a really bizarre um, bit of um, uh, of promotion, if you like. Um, well, we've talked about Kamari and him being a crap price and was a crap price before the market, just as the yeah, market opened. The, the market's moving. Um, there was a, a definitely a bit of value to be had when uh, when the prices first came out in this, as I said, with um, Kamari looking too short, but he's he's drifting now and which fine with um, with races like this where the form is, is all, there for all to see is that the market will correct itself um, over the, the two days from declarations to race time and that's, that's beginning to happen and it's a little bit harder to find value as a result. Um, I think Sir Lucan is, uh, as I said, he was he was the pick for me uh, when I saw the text. He's still the pick, um, but you know, as as the market corrects itself, the uh, the degree of value gets smaller, uh, the window of opportunity gets smaller, um, and it wouldn't be a massive surprise to see, um, well, pretty much anything else in the race um, if everything goes their way. I'm getting a result. Um, youth spirit, uh, third realm, and Ubia were all behind Sir Lucan last time out, and and are obviously bigger prices than him, but in terms of their their best form, they don't have much to find. Um, and if you can put forward excuses for their runs at um, at Goodwood, then uh, it's possible that you can argue that they represent a little bit of value. Uh, the downside there, I suppose, is that the going is going to be on the quick side of good at York, or, or at least at least good. Um, they had a very small amount of, of drizzle this morning, um, and they're not expecting any rain until Saturday. So, and they've done no watering at all. So it's just been natural rain there for the last month. So I think with it going good all round, um, th- there'll be no no significant ease. And you can argue that Third Realm and Youth Spirit have shown their best form when there has been ease in the ground. Yabir, I suppose, is the one you could you could argue um, that the um, uh, the way he raced at Goodwood and the ground were against him. Um, but the issue with Yubir is that, aside from that um, reasonably impressive win in the Bahrain Trophy, um, he's a horse that you, you've had to make excuses for. He's he's not looked particularly straightforward in three runs. Um, he's been gelded. He was gelded before he won the, the Bahrain Trophy, and that looked to have turned him around, but then he was back to where he was at Goodwood last time out. So the grind will suit him better than most, Yubir, but I think you're clutching a little bit of straws to see him win. Um, so, looking back through the race, we end up coming to the same conclusion that Sir Lucan is is probably the horse to be with, um, with the likelihood of improvement from his last run. Whereas most of these are fairly exposed now. Um, you can, as I said, if you're right off one run for a few of these, 
um, you can um, you can see them bouncing back. But I think Sir Lucan is just about the safest choice in the race. Go on, Sir Lucan. Go on, my son. And uh, you know he does from this, don't you? Goes and wins the Saint Ledger. Oh, one thing I've not said about Kamari, I should have I should have said. Yeah, yeah in go terms on. of his price. The Voltature, of course, is a ledger trial, mm. and it's been the most significant ledger trial over the years. Less so, I suppose, in recent times. You can't run. Um, but for a ledger trial, it's not. It's actually a drop in trip for most of these horses. You know, That's it's, a good it's point. It's an extended one mile three. And for a horse like Kamari, who stays a mile and six really well, dropping back to an extended mile and three has to be seen as a bit of a negative. And any of these are proven at some um, trips beyond a mile and a half. Yeah, so Lucan's um, one at a mile five. Lucan's one at a mile five, and he was strong at the finish at Goodwood. So you could argue that he might need, he might prefer extra yardage. But I think the key with him is he just he just looks like he might improve again. Yeah. Um, and those cheek pieces may very well bring up more important as well. Step up beyond. Um, your beer, of course, he showed his best form over a mile and five as well. I'm not sure that's ne- necessarily significant, but it's always something to bear in mind, given that most of the horses are running in the in the voltageer are doing so with a view to running in the ledger. But the two are very different races. Mm. And yet, the horse who's going to represent Godolphin in the Saint Ledger doesn't turn up here. No, and but that's... then again, he hardly he hardly needs a trial. True, true enough, but. Um... If I was to ask you right now, do you think Hurricane Lane will stay a mile six at Doncaster? Uh, I think, of course, mile six and a half as well. It's not even, it's not even you know, a mile four to mile six. It's yeah. an three to an extended mile six. So it's three furlongs further, um, almost exactly. Um, I, th- I think it's... Um, I think it's likely, but not certain. But then again, if you if you ran in the voltage, you wouldn't, you wouldn't answer that question anyway, would you? Nope. True enough. But I'm with Sir Lucan. Cool, my son. Get it done first. Right, the 3.35 is the last race that we'll talk about on Wednesday. It's the feature race, and uh, it's the Jubmont International Stakes. Uh, British Champion Series, Group 1, and Mishrif, after a shock announcement that St. Mark's Basilica is out. Now, the plan with him is to go for the Irish Champion Stakes, and then... Rory. Dun-dun-dun... I thought we actually had the dun 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 sound effect, but apparently we don't. So you're going to say the R, aren't you? She's yes. Been, she's been, yes. Well. It's on the it's on the target. It's it's definitely on the menu for him now. I'm not answer that. I'll answer that. Yeah. Yeah. Subject subject to change. Subject to change. Uh, check your betting slips. I'm, you I'm just saying you won't win. Yeah, well, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, some people may have had the money down already. Anyway, uh, so Mishrif is now your favourite, and. Um, 13 to 8. Love, 11 to 4, after being beaten in the King George last time out, but was deadly over 10 furlongs on her comeback and uh, handled York without any difficulties whatsoever. Alcohol free is sixes. Uh, Moffeth is sevens. And Alnacar, who of course was destined to run in the Great Voltageur, goes here instead. And the best price that you can get about him for Tom Marquand and William Haggis is 12s. And we will be remiss to omit Mr. Jim Bulger, who runs Max Sweeney, after disappointing in the Irish Derby, 16s for Kevin Manning, of course, his son-in-law. Right, feature race, Jobman's International Stakes. Um, what are you thinking, my man? Um, again, we got a similar sort of scenario to the to the previous race, and that the horse that I thought was the, the 
the clear bet on the race has shortened up um, significantly in the last day. That's Mishriff. Maybe it deserves to be um, favourite. Agreed. Deserves to be a reasonably short price favourite. He is pretty short now. What is he? Thirteen to be at top price. Thirteen to eight is the best you'll get. Right. There's not a there's not a massive amount of um of juice in that, but I think he's um I think he's very solid. And um, the more the one disappointment um this year was uh, his run in the eclipse, and that would give you concerns about this. But the more I see that race, the more I think that um he he just needed the run. Yeah. It's it's an odd one. You wouldn't you wouldn't expect a horse um, from this yard to run in a Group One and and be short of peak fitness. But the more I look at it, the more I think that is the case. Well, to be fair, John Gosden said that beforehand that he was going to yeah. need it, um, and that it would bring him well, forward for the King George. Last year would need to run in the in the Jacques Le Marois. You always take what trainers say beforehand with a, with a pinch of salt. Yeah, true. It's um, all bollocks. Yeah, um, but. But in fairness, he actually ran like he did need the race. Um, he he was a little bit free and didn't. He travelled really well and didn't get home, um, which is not like him at all. He's a horse who finds plenty for pressure, generally speaking. Um, the one time he's disappointed in the past here, of course, was was um, <clears throat> in the Champion Stakes last year again, coming off a break. And um, yeah, he seems he seems best after a recent run, really, Mishriff. He's um, he came back to his best, I think, when second um, in the uh, in the King George. Um, despite I, th- I think that the mile and a half of the King George's is, is every bit as far as he wants to go. I think he's better, slightly shorter, better than a mile and a quarter as his, his overall form shows. Um, and with that run behind him again to to uh, to possibly bring him on to an absolute peak um, and drop him back to an extended mile and a quarter, I think he's. It's hard to see love beating him, isn't it? Um, is on, it on though? On that run, it is, yes. Is it, though? Let me put it to you this way. Perhaps she needed the run at Ascot, and when I say at Ascot, I mean the Prince of Wales. So Ryan Moore bounced out, made all the running, and she wins. And then that race took out a little bit more from her than they anticipated. So when they ran her over a mile four, thinking, oh, great, now she's in top form, and she'll go and win this, she just didn't quite have what it took. And the original plan was to go to France. She was going to go to France at the weekend. And they... The plan with her has changed about 17 times. Yeah, of course year. it has. It, look, it's her comeback run changed 17 million times this season. She was going to run in the Tattersalls Group 1, and Broom was a very handy supplement, although didn't quite work out. Um, but he's gone on to Group 1 glory in France since... Uh, so they had to wait until Royal Ascot. So my point there is that they really thought they needed to get a run into her. And yet she yeah. still managed to win at Royal Ascot. And she's now back to 10 furlongs at a track that she's won at on good ground, which she'll bounce off of. And maybe if Ryan, look, where's the pace coming from? Maybe if Ryan just goes out and makes all the running, it's going to be real hard for David Egan to reel her in. Maybe. He's the likeliest. I mean, that, that's, that's, you know, if he doesn't lead, it could be a messy race. Very true. Ryan, I mean, on yeah, love, yeah, yeah. because obviously you can do it before. Um, uh, to me, the, the problem with uh, with uh, an idea that she, she bounced a bit at, at, at Ascot and the King George is that for me, she's run she, she's run pretty much the same race both times. Odaria was really disappointing um, next time out. Yeah. And you look through that, it just, it just wasn't a good race, was it? 
Well, Daria was the one I thought, you know, I thought um, was a really interesting contender there. I thought she ran really well in second, but then she flopped uh, and she was very weak in the market at Goodwood. And behind that, you've got Armory, My Oberon, Desert Encounter. It's just not a good race, yeah. Prince of Wales. That's a very good counter. And for me, she's run two good races this season, but she's just, she managed to win one, one substandard uh, group one. And then in the King George, she was, she was found out a little bit. I think she's as good as she was last year, but as good as she was last year isn't good enough um, when you're carrying the extra weight as a four-year-old. Yeah, it's like that point that you made on the review podcast. As a four-year-old, you have to you run have to, to stay st- You have to keep progressing in order to stay still. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Good show. Um, so that's, that's the question with her. Now, Aidan O'Brien has trained countless top-class fillies, and he tends to get the very best out of them. And look at Santa Barbara, um, who we'd all, um, a lot of people had written off um, after she was um, after she was chinned for the third time this season. Uh, she's gone on one or two grade twos. And I can see Aidan getting the best out of love later on in the season. But for a filly who really, who, who handles fast ground really well, she didn't look particularly comfortable on it at Ascot. Um, you know, Mischief beat her well there, and he's definitely as good at this trip. Um, the interesting thing about love is, well, what is her ideal trip, do you reckon? I'm starting to think it's it's 10. Yeah, I mean, it's not, I, there's there's no really... There's no definitive evidence, evidence of that, though. It's not a guineas in a mile. Yeah. So therefore, you can't say she's, she's, she's just a stayer. But her, two, her best efforts last year, obviously, were... Um, we're in the Oaks and then in, in the uh, in the Yorkshire Oaks, and we didn't see her after that. We were expecting bigger things of her in the autumn, and of course that didn't um, that didn't happen. No, she's not been far below her form, and uh, you know, and I would say she's she's even progressed a little from from three to four. But it's um, you've you've got to keep moving forward, um, and again, that's been that that's just something that's been been um, laid at Mister's door as well. You know, he's come up short in in, in Group Ones in his last two starts. Um, and that's the, the question is whether you want to take 13 to win a bit horse with, with those kind of form figures. But I think he's, I think he, he's the one who will, who will be happiest um, given this um, given trip and grind here. Um, and he was a length three quarters in front of, of love last time out. Uh, and they had similar sort of preparations for that. So he, he also ought to confirm form, but you know, it was two to one and five to two yesterday when the market opened and now it's 13 to eight and 11 to four. Mm. Alcohol-free, listen, I, I take my hat off to connections of alcohol-free for running her. But it's it's hard to see her staying this trip. Yeah. Um, I do respect that with um, Jess Smith is a, is a tremendously sporting owner, has been in the game for a long time. Um, and he's never been afraid of running his horses at different trips. I mean, the, the first really, really good horse he had was Chief Singer. And that was 40 years ago. It was 40 years between his first, not quite 40 years, was it 38 years, I think, between Chief Singer winning the, um, no, 30, 37 even, before someone corrects me. I think it's, I think it's 1984, because um, Chief Singer was behind El Gran Senor in the uh, second term of the Guineas. Um, so he went from being, you know, the top miner in the country to winning the July Cup as well, um, which no one really saw coming. Um, and uh, again, he's more than happy to that alcohol-free take a chance here because she's proven all she needs to prove as a miner. You know, she's um, she was unlucky in the Falmouth, and she's won the coronation, and then she's beaten the the um, the older horses and the boys in the Sussex last time out. So she doesn't have to go and win another mile against fillies 
and to prove herself. He's keen for her to do something new. And I think that's tremendous. I, I think more owners and more trainers should have that kind of attitude, even if it doesn't work out. Um, you don't damage the horse by doing it. All you damage is, is your own ego. And, yeah. and you know, fair play to, um, to Jeff Smith doesn't have that kind of ego. So I'm, I'm delighted to see her here. I, I don't want, you know, this analysis just to be about why I don't fancy her to win this race. I think I, I really want to make the point that it, it's, it's great to see her in here. And I would love to see her win it because that would justify that attitude as well and hopefully get more people doing it. But I struggled this year getting the, uh, the mile and a quarter. As um, do I. And, and I also awesome. think it's great that Andrew Balding hasn't tried to talk him out of it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, Andrew, Andrew would know, has known Jeff for, well, Andrew's known Jeff Smith since, since Andrew was a teenager, I'd imagine. Um, so uh, Jeff will have taught him a few things over the years. And I think that's, I think that's um, often the way it should be. You've got to have, you've got to have the right owners for it. But in fairness, I've, I've, I've spoken to a few owners of, of, of top class horses over the years who wanted to do X, Y, and Z with their horses and were just, you know, trainers said, no, not doing that. Mm-hmm. I find that really strange. I, there was a time um, back in the dim and distant past uh, where trainers weren't even named. Jockeys were named, owners were named. Trainers were just, they were grooms. Uh, they were treated as grooms. You look after the horse, but your name's not important. Uh, and now um, a guy who spends 50 million pounds on his horses uh, will have his trainer tell him, no, you don't tell me what to do with the horses. I'll tell you what to do with the horses. And that's wrong. That's that absolutely wrong. That's where we are with, um, with with the most powerful trainers in the world at the moment. Um, that the owners are just there to finance um, their their hobby, as it were, um, and they don't have any input into where the horses should run. So it's good to see owners who understand the game um, and who want to be sporting, and trainers who say, "Listen, mate, you're paying the you're paying the bills. You can call the shots." Well, I think if you're so, a logical individual, and look, if if you've made a lot of money in the business world, whether you're male or female, you're probably cutthroat. Let's be honest about it. You probably are. And so maybe you just want to have a power play. Maybe you just want to be able to say, hey, I'm paying the bills. I want love to run here. I'm paying the bills. Mishriff runs in the Middle East. And then I want to win the Judmont. That's how things are going to go. All right? You're on board or you're not. Yeah. And that's pathetic. And it's pathetic because John Gosden and Aidan O'Brien and Andrew Balding and Jessica Arrington, they're the ones who are spending time with the horses each day, day in, day out. And the jockeys are riding them. So if you're not listening to what they have to say, then what the hell is the point in being involved in the game? Go buy a football team. Go do something else. This is not the sport for you. If you're going to ignore expert advice from expert people, then what's the point? Um, Also, Andrew Balding continues to lead the Trainers' Championship with over $3 million in prize money. Charlie Appleby, 2.7. Aidan O'Brien, $2.3 million. How many... Uh, it's 106 wins for Andrew Balding this year. Think on this. Think on this, right? And then we'll come back and we'll look at day two. But how many wins has Aidan O'Brien had in the UK this year? Think about it. I'll come back to you. Uh, at tote.co.uk, tote.ie, and the official tote app, live streaming is available on all races in the UK and Ireland. You don't even have to place a bet. All you have to do to qualify is deposit into your account once. So if you don't want to pay 
for Sky. If you don't want to pay for or TV, there's a way around that. Bet with Tote or there's better value. And once you deposit once into your account, you can watch pretty much any race you want, whenever you want. Tote is also launching the Tote Guarantee across all UK and Irish race meetings. It's where the Tote win bet will be settled at higher of the Tote dividend or the starting price as regulated by the Starting Price Regulatory Commission, which is incredibly fair, particularly when you then add in Tote Plus. Now, if some people have been in touch with me to say, hey, how do I get Tote Plus? It's automatically applied. As long as, as you're on the site, it says the little little symbol, little donation, Tote Plus. It's pretty much on all their pools, so you're good, right? But just to be safe, you'll see it. You'll see Tote Plus on all their pools. Um, and those that, that don't have it, there's a reason for that. But we're talking win bets, place bets, exactas, trifectas, quinellas, play spots, scoop six, 10%. On top of your winnings, 10% bigger than the standard tote dividend, which is already bigger than the starting price. I mean, what are you waiting for? Tote.co.uk. Also, free to play. Any winners, any players, even that pick the winner of the selected race on a Saturday can win a £50 or €50 euro free bet. Uh, they can be randomly selected if you want. If you want to be lazy about it, you can just go, meh, can't be able to click. And uh, it will be credited into your account within 24 hours. Uh, and also, there is now the early bird promotion for place pots. It's available to any customer that places a tote place pot bet at tote.co.uk, tote.e, or the place pot app on selected race meetings. So for this week, that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, all at York. If you do this the day before, at before 11.59, you will get a maximum of €10 euro refunded should none of your selections in the opening race place. Now, that's incredibly fair as well. Incredibly fair. So fairness, value, and gravy. It's all there for you. Tote.co.uk, tote.ie, and the official Tote PlaySpot app. Get involved, get on board, and get the gravy. Roy DeLarghi, answer to my question? Uh, 259. <laughs> Correct. Eight in this train, 259 winners in the UK this year. Uh, how many winners this year? Uh, 16. Eight. Are you all right there? I'm grand. Are you sure? Uh, 64 for Charlie Appleby, 106 for the winning machine, Andrew Balding. Aidan O'Brien, 2.3 million of prize money. Aidan O'Brien was champion trainer once with uh, with three winners. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? Uh, it's just about placing them. Okay, so Thursday, the Leather Stakes, the Group 2. Current betting that we have for you is as follows. Uh, Andrew Balding, that man again. With, uh, is it Sandrin? Sandrine. Sandrine. There we go. Uh, so, daughter of Bobby's kitten. She started her life on the all weather, like most good horses do these days, and is three from three. Hello, you, in first time headgear. Um, also running for uh, David Lucknan for the first time. 
with Russell Ryan on board is sixes, and uh, we could be here all day. Uh, Oshin Murphy, interesting booking for Stuart Williams, is um, currently fifteen to two in the Lowther. Right, what's your thoughts? Sandrine hard to beat, um, but a race that's that's um, got quite a nice shape to it in terms of um, of each way of betting. Um, interesting that uh, Andrew Balding also has an Infidora in there, who's uh, uh, won the Mirigate Stakes at York early in the season on her only run on good ground. I could see her running a bit better than she has been um, since that. She was um, midfield in the uh, in the Queen Mary. And then um, fourth in the Mulcombe against the boys last time out. Um, she could run okay. But yeah, her, her stablemate's got, got um, a little bit in hand and appears to still be improving as well. Um, won the um, uh, the Dutch of Cambridge um, at Newmarket last time out at the July meeting in, in good style and in a very good time. Um, so she's she's hard to beat, even though she's given the uh, the group penalty away. Um, she does look the best of these. As we said before, you know, York can be a little bit of a, uh, a graveyard um, for favourites. But um, she's... What price are we getting about her at the moment? No, not, my prices aren't updating here. You are currently getting 7 to 4 is the best price. I think I think 7 to 4 is fair about her. She is, um, she is clear on form. There's not You can't really make a strong case um for um anything actually beating her on the form you can make a case that you know some of them don't have an awful lot of find and, and are decent each way bets in the race and a race of 11 runners uh, the most interesting opponent she has um at uh, entry stage was um uh the the filly that um Armana Estrella um who won a group race on her debut and hasn't been seen since, and has been bought by um, by Paul Smith um, since. But she was um, she doesn't run. I think she runs um, she runs at the weekend back in Ireland. Um, you know, if she'd rocked up on this race, it would have been it would have made it look very different. Um, she was the one who arguably had the form to um, to beat Sandrine, um, and Sandrine was the same price then as she is now. So I think that um, that makes it fairly plain. She's drawn a stolly as well, which is absolutely fine. Um, you know, again, I'd always be slightly worried about two-year-olds being drawn on the wing. If you end up being on the wrong side of the track, it doesn't matter if you're five pounds better than your opposition. You might just end up losing that with the run of the race. And she doesn't need to dominate either. She'll be coming from off the pace. So and that's um, for me, that's a positive in a race like this as well. Because, um, um, you know, often you see a, a filly who's dominated her races and then you see um, massive pace pressure in a race like this and it turns out to be a, a disadvantage to be on the pace. Um, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't put you off, uh, Sandrine. I don't like putting up seven to four pokes, but I, I think she should be closer to evens. What price is Desert Dreamer? Desert Dreamer is 15 to two best price. Yeah, I think she's a solid each way um, bet on this race. I, I've, I've liked her since day one. She, she's done most of her racing at Newmarket. Her one moderate run was in the um, uh, was in the Queen Mary. Um, I th- she just find five furlongs too sharp for her. She was dropping back in trip for that. She won on debut, um, and she looked a um, 
she looked a really nice prospect, despite the fact that she tended to be very free in her races. She pulled really hard on debut and did really well to come from off the pace to win. She had Nymphadora behind her that day. She followed up on her next start over six. And then she dropped a trip for the Queen Mary and was just never really at the races after a slow start. Since then, she's improved again. She's been placed in the Empress Stakes and the um, and the Duchess of Cambridge um, behind Sandrine on our next two starts. And then for me, I thought she should have won the Princess Margaret. She was beaten by Zane Claudette. Um, and it was just a case of, of where the gaps came. The gap um, for Oshin Murphy came on the outer of the field um, when he saw his run. And um, Ray Dawson and Zane Claudette got a, got a run towards the centre, which meant they had, didn't have to switch. Um, and she ended up winning by a, a nose. Uh, Luke Desert Dreamer, while well, she traded odds on on the photo, for example, Desert Dreamer, but um, Zane Claudette just, done her, just did her in the nod. Um, given that her only moderate run has come at five furlongs and her six furlong form, form is absolutely rock solid and progressive as well, um, while she can't beat Sandrine on form, I think the fact that she can't beat Sandrine on form means she's going to be a, um, an each way price. I think if you took Sandrine out of this race, Desert Dreamer would be favourite. Um, whereas she's, she's not going to go off second favourite here, is she? No. Doesn't look um, like it's it. It's one of those things, people, I, I've talked about this before. People look at a look at an obvious form line. They go, right, who can possibly beat Sandrine? And you look at Desert Dreamer and go, second to Sandrine, two starts ago. No reason to turn the tables. Can't be her. Look for something else to beat the favourite. Whereas she's actually the one with the second best form in the race. And her form is, is still going in the right direction. And since she started to settle better in her last two starts, she's actually improved a little bit as well. So it's easy to look at her and go, she's fully exposed, but I, I think she's guaranteed to run her race. Uh, she's drawn a stall four, which is probably ideal for her. She's also going to be running through horses late in the day. And this might end up coming down to a bit of luck. I think she's had no luck in running on her last three starts, Desert Dreamer. Finished second in, in black type events every time. And I think if things had panned out differently twice, she might have won. Um, she was beating the neck in the Empress Stakes, and she came from um, she came from a bad draw that day and had to, had to do a lot of um, manoeuvring to get into position. Finished really fast to, to be second to System. I think there's little doubt that she was the best filly in the race that day. Um, and um, I wouldn't say she was unlucky not to beat Sandrine, but she might have been a little bit closer if that race had panned out slightly more for her. And then, as I said, she she was definitely unlucky not to um, gain her group win last time out in the. Um, in the Princess Margaret. So she's second best on paper. I think 15 to two um, with, uh, you know, the 50 odds, three places is very fair. Yeah. And that's with most major firms as well, yeah. by the way. So yeah, her price, there's no reason why her price won't stand up because her forms are all there in the book. There are no secrets. Mm. Whereas there's a few in this, you can, you can convince yourself might improve a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, we're unexposed or, you know, because they haven't met Sandrine before, you, you can argue that you know there, there might be reasons why why they might get the better offer. Whereas, as I said, you can make that argument with with Desert Dreamer based on the fact that Sandrine's um, beaten her the one time they've met. Um, but I still think she run a big race. Before we move on to our second race of Thursday, who won this race last year? I can't possibly remember. Was it Sacred? Did Sacred win it last year? Nope. No, I think I'm, I'm looking at my form book. It says it's got a blank for the winner and then sacred. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I'm imagining it must be the sacred. wonderful Miss Amulet. <laughs> oh, 
tumbles on a train to let tumbles on uh racing TV at Leicester tonight. Everybody cheer him on. Uh he was due to be on the show. Um pesky racing TV intervened. So um best of luck to him. And we got some do we have the audio of that? Because we were recording live well, as, all I can as say she was. What's what's Miss Amulet one since, eh? Eh? <laughs> Fuck eh? off. <laughs> but that doesn't the hunger for mistakes <laughs> and the Nell Quinn. Not the point, Rory. Not the point. I believe your words were, she's a terrible bit. She can't win. She can't possibly win. Oh, final for on goal that was. Oh, man. Virtual high fives all around. We love that one. But to be fair, you took it on the chin, which is why I'm still throwing it in your face. Uh, this time last year, Tom Daskam and the Dandy Boys got beaten uh, with what we thought. Well, now this is where I'll eat humble pie. Uh, I thought, and I'm pretty sure Tom thought as well, that Devious Company was a good thing. And a funny feeling you thought that Happy Romance was the bet. And she won. Yes, I did. And did him on the line. So you got your revenge. I think I was pointing out the fact Tom Daskam had trained 50-something consecutive losers coming into that. Uh, you were, and we were just blindly ignoring you and hoping for the best. But um, we learned. We learned. Uh, so, and oh, that that was tough, actually, because he just got chinned. Um, was it the Sunday after that he then took on Chief Little Hawk and Chief Little Hawk won at something ridiculous like 25s? That was pleasing. Um, that was pleasing. Anyway, well, system. The sales race of the current. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was. Anyway, uh, system heads the betting for Richard Hannon. Just about, though, at 9 to 2, as uh, Tom Daskam and Danny Todd Open, the Dandy Boys, return again. Uh, fives. And um, yeah, let's focus on those two or whoever else you want to. This is the uh, Goffs UK Premier Yearling Sales. Premier Yearling Stakes race, if I can use my mouth words correctly, with just shy of 100k to the winner. Uh, who wins? Uh, Mr. Daskin may end up getting his uh, his revenge, Ooh. as it were, here. Uh, being, in, being in better form of late coming into this than uh, uh, than he was last year. Although I'm, 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 go- I'm now going to count the number of consecutive losers from the Daskin yard just to be on the safe side. He won't be in a full finish um, a day or two ago, but I don't think we'll go back. Oh, 20, 20 losers, crikey. Jesus, it is Surely true. It is. Back to 7th of August. 21. And that was a, that was a, that was a three-runner race. Yes, the, the uh, yes, Fools Rush in. Although I think, I believe Fools Rush in was, was the outsider of the three. He was. We're winning that. That system continues um, to prevail. That's, uh, yes, it it's, um, it doesn't really, but you know, people don't notice all the all the three runner races won by favourites and exactly they just go. Oh, I oh, it's the oh, outsider. The outsider in three. Uh, so who are you with? Uh, I'm I'm going to leave this race alone, quite frankly. Perfect. But, um, we'll move on and uh, go to the three o'clock, which is the Clipper Logistics Handicap. Uh, so Magical Morning heads the betting for John Gosden, who I'll be talking to on Talksport tomorrow. Uh, I should say John and Teddy Gosden. Uh, five to one for Frankie Dettori. Mark Johnston with Jim Crowley on board with May Danny, uh, winner last time out. A horse I like a lot. And uh, Astro King for Sir Michael Stout and Ryan Moore. Didn't we think? Didn't we think he was an absolute stone cold solid moral in the run? Yeah, we did. Oh God. Oh, that still hurts. Uh, but then again, well, real, real world. Yeah, say again. 
I tipped the runner-up in that race at 33 to 1. The John Smith's Cup. Oh, I was, I was oh, talking. I'm talking about. In the end. I'm talking about Ascot. By the winner of the line. I'm talking oh, about Ascot. Yeah, you you had the um forty to one, uh, and you got to be careful with the pronunciation of that one. But uh, yeah, the John Smith's Cup. Yeah, I didn't fancy him for the. No, 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 it was the third. It was it was um, Street of Hormuz, who was pretty much a right outsider, and I said, oh, Don't that's buy right. Back in the day, it'd be a bigger price, and he ended up being punted. He was fourteens with the hammer on board. Yeah, he was unlucky enough. He was hampered by Johnny Drama, like a hundred yards out. Um, which cost them second place, but they don't throw them out for that these days. No. And even if they did, he only would have got it, second. Yeah, but still, I it was. I believe Coppola was uh, was second in that in the end. It was unlucky. Uh, right, uh, so magical morning, May Danny. Um, what's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, just to point out in that race, going back to the John Smith Cup, uh, Astro King uh, finished lame. Mm. So he was he was sent a four to one favorite and was disappointing, but he did finish lame. So he's got a pretty solid profile. Other than that. Your only issue is he's John Iron still 17. I was going to ask you that. Which is, I listen, I don't mind wide draws over longer trips at um, at, at York. Um, but over the mile, um, historically, it tends to be a little bit of a, of a negative. I'm looking at the last three rounds in this race just to never listen to someone say, this is a bad thing. Look at the last results. Um, Montatham, who won it last year, um, two um, beats group horses in Sir Busker and top rank into second and third. That's right. And they were drawn 11 and 12. 11 and, 12, um, and the next three home were all drawn in single figures. What's the um, story? Came out of 14 in 2019. Poet Society came out of 15. And Short Squeeze in yeah. 2014 came out of 18. Yeah. So this, you know, this race is showing that you, you, um, you can overcome a, a wide draw. But it's, it's a fair spread. You know, horses drawn very low have done quite well. I mean, um, yeah, Poet Society won from stall 15, but the next three home were drawn, um, the next four home were drawn one, two, three, and five. Um, so maybe it's, a, maybe it's a middle of a squeeze. There's another point to make, which is something that James Savage has talked to us about. So Michael Stout's horses need, or t- at least tend to need, better ground, which he should get as long as the pesky rain stays away. And yeah, there's no, there's no rain forecast for York over the next couple of so days. We're in, so we're in gravy then. Should be all right. But in fairness, you know, his, his form's all been on, on, on good quick ground as well. So Yeah. Um, and they tend they tend to be slow burners to start horses. Yeah, very much so. You know, when they find their form, they tend to hold their form. And it's, it's not a great yard to follow, generally speaking. God, no. Um, in that you can't you can't follow the start yard blind. It's all about the long game, really. There are a lot of yards out there where it's all about strike rate and getting, getting the horses... Getting a good handicap mark to start with, and then striking early, um, winning your winning your maiden first time, whatever it happens to be. So a lot of those yards are, are, are high strike rates, uh, and start. Um, it, it's not a poor strike rate, but it's it's all about. There's always an eye on what can we do next year with this horse, rather than you know what can we what can we squeeze out of this before the sales, um, which tends to be the case with with some. Um, so when they find the form, as I said, they, they usually keep it, and, and you can ignore Astro King's last draw. He should bounce back, and um, oh, he's got a he's got a pretty good chance here. Um, Although I should say uh, that uh, Sir Michael Stead had an Arcos winner first time out during the week at twenty five. Yeah, he, he gets the occasional he gets the occasional debut winner. The, the debut winners from the start yard tend to be smart. Yep. So keep um, an eye on no, him. 
there are a lot of uh, of um, debutants, two year old debutants from the start yard who who you know are are very much not lined up. Um, he'd have a better strike rate now with with his um, his all weather runners. I particularly look at look at um, the start runners at Chelmsford, for example. Um, but the turf runners these days, you can you, know, not, you, you can't ignore them, but you've got to you've got to at least have some indication of um, of um, confidence before you can back them. Anyway, back to um, back to this contest, and as uh, as is typical, you've got lots of chances in here. But the, uh, the horse I like, again, I kind of want to leave it until the market um, sorts itself out because he should be a relative outsider. But um, I'm sure I've mentioned him on here before, to be honest. Um, the right down at the bottom of the way. So I wasn't sure if he was going to get in here when I saw the um, the entries, but he has Pythagoras. I thought you were going to say Trifloor there for a second. Um, it's twelve, so, but Pythagoras. No, I've put up before. Yeah, and he's becoming hard to predict. Um, yeah, uh, Pythagoras is a horse I like. Listen, I made I made a point earlier in the season about him that I saw him a few times as a two-year-old, and although he won twice going right-handed at um, at Beverly and at Ripon. I thought he didn't. He didn't particularly act round the bend on either occasion. So I formed the view that he would be best left-handed, and he has not had too many chances. He ran in the Blue Ribbon Trial at um, uh, at Epsom. I call it the Blue Ribbon. It's just, it is still the Blue Ribbon Trial. I think so. Um, where he raced very freely on the fronts. Um, he was very keen going to post, and Paul Hannigan uh, bounced around the stalls. He bounced out in the front, and he just, he just let him run. Uh, and then when he got tired, he, he didn't give him a hard time. He still ran respectably um, in in that contest uh, to finish fourth. But I thought it was, I thought it was prompting and, and suggested that he would do better with a little bit more restraint. Um, that was behind Virko Technique and Uncle Bryn. Um, the forms maybe not worked out as brilliantly as uh, as it might have. But um, I thought he ran a good race next time out, despite the fact that, annoyingly, they completely changed the tactics. So although uh, although they said after the, I think Paul Hannigan said after Epsom, it wasn't the intention to make the running with him. It was just, that's just how he was. He was keen and he jumped off and we thought, just let him do his own thing. So he ran in the Dante. And I thought if he was ridden sort of midfield um, or not far off the pace, he might have sneaked into the frame there at a price. And I put him up on the show. Uh, and he was ridden out the back, um, and he ended up running through horses to finish um, sixth, uh, finishing in front of the likes of Flying Visit and Bellocchio and Uncle Bryn, who was in front of him at, at Epsom. But obviously behind the likes of uh, High Definition, McAllen and, and Hurricane Lane, there's nothing wrong with that form, it has to be said. Um, but his two runs since, um, oddly enough, have been back on right-handed tracks, um, and he hasn't matched it. He's not far off it. He hasn't. He hasn't run badly, but he was midfield at Royal Ascot, and have a mark of 101 in the Golden Gates handicap, um, and then he dropped back to a mile, oddly enough, at Sandown um, last time out, um, when he um, raced freely under a change of jockey, Paddy Mathers, rode on that day. Now, as I said, I've put my my neck on the line and said I think this horse will be will prove best left-handed. Um, so now that he gets another chance left-handed, I've got to stick with him. He didn't look like he wanted further at Sandown. 
Um, and I think going back left hand, there was Paul Hannigan back in the plate again. There are reasons to think he'll run well. And his owner, Robert Ogden, really likes to have um, runners and winners at this meeting as well. So there's a there's a fair chance that he's been set up for this, and this isn't just an afterthought. Um, so hopefully Pythagoras will run well. He should be a goodish price as well. Uh, currently, 16s. However, let me just double check and see if I can get you a bigger price, Roy Delarge. Let me see if we can get you bigger. The answer to that question is 18s. Right. 18s is the max price we can get. Right, last race. The Darley Yorkshire Oaks sees snowfall reported to be bouncing at home in tremendous form at two to five. Wonderful tonight. Surely doesn't run based on the going. 11 to two. Do the others count? Oh, Rory tweeted about this this morning. Or was it yesterday? It could have been yesterday. I was shopping yesterday. Sorry. Okay. I was doing some test driving yesterday. I happened to spot this and went, oh, no. Was it a hundreds on the machine? And then they shut it down. (laughs) It was Alpinista who was a hundred on the machine because someone who knew that she wasn't declared decided to... um, to try to to uh, to lay a bit of uh, uh, a bit of what was there. See, uh, which is very annoying because my 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 thinking in this race was by Thursday the going will be on the quick side of good, and therefore Alba Flora who wants soft ground wouldn't run. Wonderful tonight who wants soft ground wouldn't run. Um, and I didn't really fancy uh, the likes of um, well obviously there's a couple of pacemakers in there. Yep. Um, or, or Aiden's looking for a little bit of black type for the likes of Divinely and Lagercons. Holly Doyle like, getting a ride for Aiden O'Brien again. Which yeah, I didn't like the, uh, the form of the Ribbles deal. The Ribbles deal is a poor race this year. Yeah. Uh, Loving Dream and Ishada were first and second in that. Ishada is very likely race and she might improve. Um, but I thought Alpinista was a great bet in this, given that she would have her ground. She was jo- she was the only filly jocked up, up oh. in this race. And I thought, well, that won't run, and that won't run, and that's just there for to to make the pace, and that's uh, that's massively overrated. And I thought Alpinista was a great each way bet, and then she was the she was the one that wasn't declared. So that was a massive kick in the teeth. And of course, I knew, I knew with five minutes to go that she wouldn't be declared because people who offer hundred and one about horses at the last minute before declarations come in always know. Um, so that was a massive a massive kick in the teeth. And I guess I did get heavily involved at the post. I found a firm offering three places. Oh, also willing. No. To so I had my maximum each way bet on Alpinista. I was said for I just hope that they think I'm an idiot from now on, and I can I can um, get that by. But that, yeah, that's right, Rory. A firm is going to think you're an idiot. Yeah, good luck with that one. Maybe uh, they'll think it's bit, a different Dilargi. He's back in the non-runner at the post. Hey. <laughs> Okay, Uh, does look? You've mentioned the fact, and I've mentioned the fact that Wonderful Tonight's highly unlikely, highly unlikely to run here due to the ground, unless they pull a crazy Ivan. Um, Therefore, is this just a case of a racecourse gallop for Snowfall? We have had shocks in this before. We have, we have, including Aidan O'Brien downing the King George winner uh, with Tapestry Mm -hmm. under a brilliant ride from Ryan Moore. Yeah. Um, and this meeting is, is famous for um, Seventh Heaven for Beat Found. Movies. Sorry, Seventh Heaven Beat Found. Yeah, as I look at it, yeah. So you're right. Yeah, we have had shocks. We've had a few, uh, a few surprises over there. And I say we've been talking about having shocks here. Last, what is it? Last five winners of this: four to nine, one to four, seven to four, one to four. 
And then uh, that massive shock, seventh heaven winning at 130. So yes, it's um it's perhaps been less less shocky than um uh, than, than you think, but it's always possible at York for something like that to happen. Um, and I wouldn't be I would not be recommending backing some fallout. She's gonna be she's gonna be one to three. Yeah, she is, yeah. And she's going to be potentially even shorter if you back her now and uh, Wonderful Tonight doesn't run. And I don't think Wonderful Tonight will run. Mm. So uh there was an angle into this race, there isn't any more really other than you know. Well, obviously, you know that I'm a big fan of Alba Flora, but she, her last five runs, soft, 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 heavy. I mean, she clearly wants soft ground. The owner had two in the race. One was a, one was a fast ground specialist, one was a soft ground specialist, and, and the one that's been declared as a soft ground specialist. So maybe somebody knows more about the weather at York than I do, but um, I'm surprised. Obviously, with love coming out of this, I think a lot, a few trainers thought there might be an opportunity of, of um, staying in and... and um, uh, picking up a bit of prize money, um, but that's not really the way that um, David Minuisier would, would think about Wonderful Tonight. Um, and there has to be a big question about her running. Yeah. And if she doesn't run, then you've, you've got a fairly unbackable price about um, um, about Snowfall. But particularly as I, I don't think the um, I don't think the Ribblesdale form Ribblesdale form is, is never particularly strong. You know, it comes. It's a group two uh, over the Oaks trip that's, um, that comes too close to the Oaks um, for, well, if you win the Oaks, you don't really want to go Ribblesdale. You never do if you win. Um, so it's a bit of a consolation race. And Loving Dream was seemingly found out uh, in two Oaks trials before she went to uh, to Royal Ascot for that. Interestingly, in that mile and a half race, um, the first two uh, in a 13-runner race, which on 11 and 12. Um, and as we discussed in the show already, it's often an advantage um, to uh, to come uh, wide on in the straight at Ascot and horses drawn wide over a mile and a half have got a very good record. You back, you back the, you know, the, the two or three highest stalls um, in mile and a half races at Ascot over the years, you will make money. So whether Loving Dream and Ashada are... Um, are particularly good. I don't know. Um, Divinely obviously was fourth in that as well. She's run, she's run respectably since. But uh, Dubai Fountain, who was a disappointing fifth, she's disappointed again since. We haven't seen Noon Star, who had a big reputation um, in the spring, um, but didn't go on from it. She's she's been missing since that. Um, and the only horse she's actually gone on and won um, since the Ribbles deal is uh, the eighth Aristia, who was an outsider. Uh, she won her next, uh, but it's just not particular. It's, it's not Group One form, obviously. Um, I don't think it's strong Group Two form. Um, Aristia beat Alpine Star at um, uh, York, which looked pretty good at the time, but Alpine Star absolutely flopped next time. So she just just didn't look as the filly that she was. Uh, and I don't think there's an awful lot in the in the Ascot form to suggest that Snowfall's got anything to be worried about. Snowfall wins. Your best bet over the first two days at York is. Kind of want to say body line now, given we haven't mentioned it, just to go <laughs> see what you think. Um, yeah, you know me; I like the handicaps a little bit better anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna I want to check. I haven't actually had a check, and uh, there's yeah, we didn't discuss the two mile handicap on the first day, and which I which I fancy body line. So Mark Prescott's horse, um, who won a Yarmouth last season, 
Um, came in for a poor ride at Royal Ascot. Again, drawn oh, wide over geez. a minute and a half. Um, and his jockey decided that the best thing to do was pull the head off the horse for the first half mile and then try to come up the inside. Um, he's lucky I wasn't at the meeting. Otherwise, he wouldn't have made it back to the weighing room. But yeah. um, No prices, uh, he I think. Made, he made his comeback at, at Musselburgh recently. And ran very well to be second to a mm. horse who's been um, uh, on a rule. Um, and I don't think oh, he was back in his own pace there. You can get tens. Yeah, I mean, it was a wee bit bigger than that when I looked. But yeah, I, I still think that's fair enough. I think I, I, I've maintained since last season he's a horse who would improve from three to four. Um, he's big and scopy. Things didn't quite go his way. The only thing I would throw in there, he was disappointed pointing at this meeting last year but he missed the break in the Melrose um, and it was very difficult to get involved from the back of the field in, in races like either the Melrose or indeed the um, uh, the Ebor itself last year <clears throat> Trushan for example finished way down the field in the Ebor just by having ideal conditions and nothing got involved from the back of the field so I'm inclined to forgive that he wants fast ground um, so it's it's important that, the, uh, that there's no more rain and that the ground dries out a little bit if it's good to firm on the day, then I think he's got a really good chance. And he um, did so win. He did win at York. I know it wasn't this meeting, but he did win at York last year. Who? Bodyline. Did he? Yarmouth and York look very similar. Yes. He won, it, <laughs> he won, fight, he won it in September at Yarmouth. He ran, he ran very well. In fairness, Yarmouth and York are quite similar in terms of their. Um, Y-O-R, Y-A-R. Well, There's dyslexia for you. In terms of their straight. He was second uh, both long straights, and he ran. He ran his best race uh, um, at, at the time, um, and a handicap first time out at that Yarmouth when, when just beaten at a big price. Yeah, uh, and things didn't go well for him um, his next three starts, and then he he got off the market Yarmouth at the end of the season, and there was a real feeling that um, the, a trick had been missed with him through the year that he definitely should have been winning uh, on a big stage, a televised handicap, and the fact that kept him in training at all is always interesting. Because uh, there's always a turnover of horses at that yard. Yeah, um, stays in the same conference, and he's been, you know, he's been lined up for an autumn um, campaign. Um, you know, he, he was due to make his comeback at um, at Glorious Goodwood, um, but the uh, the grind went against him. He wouldn't handle soft grind, so um, he missed that, and then ran a Musselburgh instead, where he ran a cracker. Uh, and I think he won't come on for that much fitness-wise, but I think in a in a truly run race over two miles, uh, he'll be seen to much better effect. So okay, body line, uh, best bet for Roy Delargy. It's Sir Lucan for me. Um, at whatever price it is now, he is now. What is it? We're looking at nine to two. Oh, seven to two. Oh, he's flip flopped with high definition. Come on, Frankie, go get the job done. Right, there you go. That's our uh, look at York. We will be back on Thursday along with Lucy Russell-Hughes. Uh, I'm on TalkSport tomorrow with the great and powerful Simon Holt uh, doing colour commentary. And when I mean colour commentary, I mean he's not actually commentating. He's doing the analysis. Uh, yeah, as, what as it I'm... means is that he's doing the commentary but with blackface. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Roy Delargy, ladies and gentlemen, his stand-up career came to an abrupt halt, which is why we have him in the podcast it's world. It's edgy stuff. But it works on radio. That's what the Guardian. That's what the Guardian said. The Guardian said it's edgy. 
Little bit too edgy for our taste. <laughs> so they left. <laughs> Your Edinburgh Fringe Festival show was interesting to say the least. Right, um, so Simon Holtz is on with me tomorrow alongside Aidan O'Brien, John Gosden, uh, and a host of others. So hopefully you can join us. Uh, you can watch the racing on Tote as long as you deposit it into your account. You don't even have to place a bet, but obviously you place a bet with Tote because you're getting the 10% bonus with Tote Plus. Uh, but you can watch the racing there and listen to us, analyze it, preview it, uh, review it, talk about it, and uh, chat to some of the biggest names in the game, including Aidan O'Brien, John Gaston, Oshin Murphy, and lots, lots more. Uh, you may even hear, hear those voices on the Final Frontal Podcast on Monday, but we're back in Thursday in the meantime. Um, it'll be a little bit later than usual because I'm on TalkSport first, and uh, Lucy Russell-Hughes will join Rory and I. Uh, Simon Holt is on with me again on Friday on TalkSport, so uh, three days on TalkSport, two, I should say, so uh, make sure you're listening. We will give you full coverage of all the races. If you can't get to see it, log into your Toad account, watch the races, listen to us, We'll try and provide you some winners. We'll give you some gravy. And of course, you've already got the gravy from the great and powerful Rory DeLarge. Rory, thank you as always, my friend. My pleasure, as always. And until Thursday with Rory, me, and uh, Lucy Russell-Hughes, we will talk to you then. Thanks so much for the kind words on social media. We'll chat to you again very, very soon. Take care. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Toast. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Toast Plus at toast.co.uk.